Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Glad you made it together. It's raining. It's great. It's awesome. I'm excited. I'm grateful for the rain. Hey, uh, if you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad you made it for the third week of Grow Flow So. And this is a series that is really about the vision that we as a whole community are stepping into for the foreseeable future. We've been, I've been praying, our leadership team has been praying, our board, and we've discerned God is calling us to this picture, this, this vision, this experience of the future of growing strong disciples, flowing in the spirit and sowing into our community, into our world. And that's what this is about. So I wanted to just share a couple of things. Uh, there are a few, uh, several of you have said, hey, I'd like to get one of those shirts. We gave them to our volunteer team First, and then many others asked, how can I get one? You can get one in the chapel after service. We're making them available at cost if you want one. Uh, and also, I just want to make sure you hear this now in case I don't give the details later. We have several missions trips coming up in uh, the next few months. And all of the information about that also in the chapel, if that's something that you're going, man, I have to know. Stop by the tables over there and there's details. So uh, would you just join me for a moment and just say, grow, flow, so." That is what we're stepping into, and uh, today I'm talking about so. I want you to uh, open up the scriptures to John chapter, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 8. And as you're turning there, a, a, number, a couple of months ago, we had one of those moments at home where, uh, you know how it, it, there's a moment where as a mom and a dad, you're kind of like scrounging, kind of looking for like, Where'd the cookies go? And I, I would like a treat right now. And my kids have inhaled all of them. Has any parent ever had a moment like that? I've had that moment so many times. And because of that, so there was this moment that unfolded. Anne said something like, hey, uh, can we, yeah, I, wish, I wish we had a treat. I just wish we had like a little treat, you know? And I said, ha, ha, ha. And, and I did one of these. I went, Close was clear. I got out the stool. I brought the stool out, put it out in front of the oven, and I climbed up the stool in the cabinet up there above the stove. And then I opened that up and picked up this can, moved this one box, and out I pulled a box of C's chocolate, C's <laughs> scotch mellows all day long, right? And Bordeaux's, God loves me. Hey, and, and so I had the box of chocolates. And right when I was on the stool pulling out the box of chocolates to show it to my wife, I turned, and then there was my daughter like this. It said something like, nice to know there's a secret dad stash. <laughs> and in that moment, I, I felt a little convicted. I felt, you know, okay, on one hand, as a parent, there's some explanation for this, and it makes sense to some of us. But, but on the other hand, I had something that I was totally just keeping to myself. And it would have been a little less selfish to take what I had and actually share it with my family, with my kids in particular. And, and today, what I want to bring to you in the message is... Something kind of like that, that, that you, you actually have something deeply, powerfully good. And if you're going to just keep it kind of hidden up there, secret stash up in the cabinet, I think maybe there's a chance to, to, to reorient what you're doing and to instead decide, I got something so good, and I got it, and I'm going to share it, but I'm going to use this word so. I got it, so I sow it. I got it, I sow it. Would you just say, I got it? I sow it. 
And I hope that you'll take that to heart. And by the end of this message, I I hope you'll hear it. We're going to turn to John, uh, I keep saying John, Luke chapter 8. And as you're turning there, uh, this this is kind of one-third of the way through-ish of the gospel of Luke. You're turning to Luke 8. And uh, at this point, Jesus has already done amazing things. I mean, he's come on the scene with power. He's healed people who had leprosy and who were blind and they were supernaturally healed. He's come up to people who have been demon-possessed and, and brought deliverance from darkness and affliction. And he, he, there's a, a moment where he, he preaches and, and the crowds are dumbfounded. We call this the Sermon on the Mount. And people by the thousands couldn't help but gather around to hear what else he had to say. And, and he's encountering people like, like a widow whose son had died and he raises this son from the dead, and, and he's a, meeting a centurion, a Roman, a Roman soldier who's got a servant who's sick, and Jesus speaks the word, and even from a distance, that, that centurion servant gets healed. And these are all the kind of things that are happening, just one after another. Jesus is on the scene, and it's like wildfire. And what he's doing everywhere he's going is exemplary to you and me. He's showing us how it's done. He's showing us what matters. He's showing us the stuff that is meant to comprise an actual kingdom of God kind of a lifestyle and experience. And so we get to Luke chapter 8, and it begins with the phrase, after this, dot, dot, dot. And I just wanted to say everything I just said so that you would know what the after this is about. So we got there to uh, Luke 8. If you're there in Luke 8 and you did actually open your Bible or app and you're there, shout amen. Yay, Yay, we got some people know how to open the Bible. All right, Luke (laughs) chapter 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Husa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. And these women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, Whoever has the ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, then in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, pleasures, and they do not mature. 
But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Okay, this, uh, this part of the Bible is something that's really important. It's, it's something that Jesus spoke about and is recorded in all three of the Gospels. And it has value for every single one of us. And a lot of times we, we come to this part of the scripture and, and we, we wonder about where we are in the words of Jesus. And Jesus was standing before a bunch of people who were very close to farming. A lot of them probably were in, engaged in agriculture and doing farming. So the way Jesus was talking made total sense to them. They could relate. And it's, it's a parable. And inside of this parable, there's an analogy. And the analogy is what I think you and I need to understand and need to open our hearts to. And in essence, Jesus is saying through this analogy that the way people respond to God is different. That's really what this parable is about. Jesus is not trying to give farming tips. He's trying to help people understand that there is a, there is a continuum and not everybody responds to an experience with God and the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom the same way. And Jesus is identifying at least four different categories. And, and maybe he means there literally are four categories. Or maybe he's just speaking through a parable that we would understand that there are a variety of kinds of experience with God. And not all of them are, are, are amazing. And that we should understand something about it. And I want you to understand what Jesus was talking about. Are you ready to dive in? Say ready. Okay, so I have two parts to this message. In the first half, I, I wish I had an hour to do it. And I want to just kind of blaze through this. But, but, but first of all, you need to understand the different kinds of experience with God. Jesus uses the analogy of, of ground and seed. But there's four different kinds of ground. And it starts out with, uh, with hardened ground. And you can imagine, if you will, imagine a, a dirt pathway that's had so many hundreds of people walking on it so many different days, weeks, months, years, that, uh, that it just is dry dirt, crusty on the surface. You can kind of imagine it. Imagine a seed falling on that. Not much is going to happen. And Jesus says, exactly. There are people that are kind of like that. Their heart is totally hardened for one reason or another. And the, the word of God, the experience of God, the message of Jesus, it, it comes... And it's there, but Jesus says the problem is that there is an enemy of the human soul and that the devil is intent on making whatever effort the devil can make to rob that from people. We, we should be aware of it. And Jesus says the end result for the ones with a hardened heart that is like the hard ground is that they do not believe. Did you hear those words of Jesus? That's what he said. He said they never believe. And, and then it says, they never believe, and so they're not saved. That's heartbreaking. I think it's important to, to take that in, that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is saying, this is simply the reality, that if there's a hardness of heart, a resistance to the word of God and the experience of Jesus, that, that there is an enemy who will say, then I'll take that. And then the end result is it, is it says, they never believe. 
It's heartbreaking. I hear that and I'm heartbroken when I think about what that means, though, for the person that that represents. Okay, the next kind of ground is the rocky ground. And Jesus talks about the rocky ground person as somebody who, well, at first there's joy. Oh, I can be forgiven? Go to heaven? That's amazing. Where do I sign up? I'd like that. And that, that's great. That's good, right? And, and the rocky ground, there, there is a way that there can be growing that happens. But it says, but then the, the rocks represent the, the testings that happen in this life. And this is a reality. For some people, there is an initial experience of, of being exposed to God and the message of, of Jesus and being excited about, yay, heaven, sounds good. But then difficulties start happening. There's a problem. Uh, you know, someone gets fired from their job or, or gets this medical diagnosis that's really difficult to, to have to receive or, or, or there's this incredible disappointment with a family member or even a divorce or whatever else. And this person begins to go, I, well, I think God let me down because I think he was supposed to make everything turn out right in my life or something, which was never part of the equation, but it was in their mind. And the testings come. The testings also come. One of the kinds of testings that happens is the testing that comes in the conflict that there exists between the kingdom of God and the cultures of this world. And forever there has always been a, a tension between the, the kingdom of God and the cultures of this world. And we live through that moment today. It's not new, but it's, it's new for some of us. And, and someone might begin to experience, yay, heaven, sounds good, but then begins to experience people around saying, why do you believe that? that exclusive stuff. How can you possibly believe that? And you're not allowed to talk about that. And you, what you're saying about uh, sexuality and marriage is totally wrong, and that's hateful and weird. And all of a sudden, someone's experiencing some testing and shrinking away. And Jesus says, yeah, they fall away. That's what happens with, when there's those kinds of experiences. They fall away. That's terrible. That's sad. Probably some of us can think of a friend or two. We go, where are they now? The rocks, the, the, the things of this life, the testings. And then the next category Jesus spoke of is the thorny ground. The thorny ground. Everybody say thorny ground. I wonder sometimes if thorny ground doesn't maybe sometimes describe a number of us. Right? Because Jesus talks about the thorny ground in a unique way. This group of people that are thorny ground type of people, Jesus said they do not mature. There is faith, there's, there's salvation, but they, they do not mature. And what is it? Well, there's, there's worries of this life. I'm worried about it. You know, going to church for a little while at first, that was kind of fun, but I, the shine is worn off now. And really, I just, I just want to, I, I need to you know, get ahead in my life. I want to go and make sure everything's more perfect with what I do over here with my, uh, my hobby, my kids. And the, the worries of this life come in. And the, he, he talks about the, the riches and the pleasures of this world. Somebody beginning, yes, I need God. Yes, I need God. God begins to bless this person and provide favor and opportunity. And wow, now I'm making more money than I ever made before. Smell you later, church and all that stuff. I mean, it was good. I don't disagree. But I, I really, now, now, because God blessed me, I got so much money. I got boats and jet skis, and I need to use them every weekend. I'll see you at Christmas, though. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to press any particular person's buttons right now, but <laughs> the, the riches and, and, and the pleasures of this life, 
There's something seductive about this voice that says, what this life should be about is just you having as much fun as you can for you. <laughs> do, I good, do a good uh, demon voice. <laughs> but there is something about that, and Jesus is highlighting it and saying, look, you need to be aware. That happens. Happens. It happens. And Jesus is wanting us eyes wide open to the fact that just because somebody hears the gospel doesn't mean it translates automatically into this lifelong pursuit of Jesus. I mean, there's stuff that happens. And Jesus is wanting us to be aware. And ultimately, there's a fourth category called good soil. Somebody say good soil. Good soil. And Jesus describes the good soil and says about these people, they persevere and produce. He said those words. They persevere and produce. They do what? They persevere. persevere and produce. And do you know why this is important that you would hear? Because a lot of us have maybe heard a message like this before, and maybe we even said, oh, I want to be good soil. Okay, good. Me too. But count, count on this, that Jesus, his vision for good soil type of people is that is that we would persevere and produce. And what that implies is that there's probably going to be some really hard things that we have to persevere through. It's going to be some temptations, going to be some challenges, some problems, some difficulties, some mountains that got to be moved. And this is what you're made for. Right, so, so good, so this is uh, Jesus saying, I, I, I want you to know that, that there's this spectrum of possible types of experiences with God that people can have. And, and some of us, yeah, we hear a message like this and we do find ourselves saying, well, I, I hope I'm good soil. I want to be good soil. And that's a good prayer to pray. It's a good cry. And, and I hope that every single one of us would be good soil type of people. And maybe that means we need to have some rocks extracted and I'm praying God would do that out of his grace for some of us. For others of us, I'm, I'm praying that maybe we would have some spiritual weed killer applied. And, and that would be through the repentance of sin. That you would literally say, God, you're right, and I repent, and I, I turn to you, and I turn from my sin. Man, that can help abate some weeds. And some of us need some weed abatement. Not just pluck the one, but abatement, because there's so dang many, but he can do it. So I'm praying for this. I'm praying for us to all be in the end. Good soil kinds of people. A couple of years ago, I remember standing in my garage and doing something, cleaning it out or whatever, and a truck pulls by, pickup truck, and, and a couple of guys jump out of the truck, and they come up to me and say, hey, 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 can we talk to you? You know, it looks like you got some problems with your grass. And they pointed out, you have seven or eight bald spots in your front lawn. Do you like it that way? <laughs> no, I don't like it that way. So right, well... The problem is the soil. You have dead soil right there. We can fix it. And then they described what they would, you know, do. They said, we, we have a machine. We'll punch holes in it to make it get aerated. And then we will apply a soil conditioner on the top of it. And, you know, I was aware that in a few weeks I was going to have some friends visiting. And I didn't want to be totally embarrassed when they came. So we did a little negotiating. And finally, I hired these guys. And, and they were going to deal with my dead soil issue and, and make it my front yard good again. And then they did it. Next thing I knew, my whole entire front yard was being covered with, with cow manure. <laughs> because apparently, you want, if you want good soil, cow manure is its soil conditioner, right? 
And so I guess I wanted to just say to somebody, if you've been praying, oh, God, I want to be good soil. <laughs> there are other words for cow manure. And if, if sometimes it just feels like some stuff is being dumped on your life, it just might be soil conditioner. I don't know. Say to somebody. Because ultimately, Jesus Jesus is the one who's envisioning good soil people and says, ah, yeah, what happens with them is they persevere and produce. But the persevering is part of his picture. It was never a Jesus promise, oh, just believe in me, and everything's just going to be perfect and easy all the time. <laughs> That's not the kingdom of God. Actually, I feel the kingdom of God most when it's hard, when it's difficult, when there's a mountain that has to get moved and only faith would do it. And Jesus is looking for people that would say, I'm good. I'm good, so I will persevere and produce. Would you just say persevere and produce? Persevere and produce. So a lot of times we read through this kind of a passage of scripture and we, we do the, you know, the soil evaluation, the soil assessment routine. Oh, my good soil? Do I have weeds? Do I have rocks? You know, <laughs> my hardened path person? You know, this is good. This is great. But I think there's also another Another perspective that we should take to heart. And, and so I look and I see in verse, uh, verse 5, Jesus says, okay, let, let me tell you a story. And it says simply this, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Why don't you just read those, just those first words. Ready, say it. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Ah, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Hey, if you're a first century person living in Israel, farming is everything you know. And so you hear Jesus talking like this, and it's kind of like, of course. Of course a farmer of God sows his seed. I mean, a farmer's not going to take his seed and then keep it in a secret stash up in the cabinet above the stove. Nobody knows. No. He's a farmer. He's going to do what? Sow his seed. He's got his seed so that he can sow it, so that other things can grow, so that others would be blessed by what happens as a result of the sowing. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Oh, okay. So now, now I, I want you to just think about this for a moment. In verse 11, Jesus says, okay, so I told you the story. Now let me give you the meaning of it. And so in verse 11, he starts breaking into it. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Would you just read just that much out loud? Ready? Go. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The gospel of John, at the very beginning, opens up with some words that we usually think about during Christmas. And it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word was with God. And now the word has come and made his dwelling among us. We're talking about Jesus. And so Jesus, if you can accept this, Jesus is the word of God. It is the person of Jesus, his very presence, his word, his work. Jesus is the word of God. But we just read Jesus saying, the seed is the word of God. So do you know what we're talking about now? We're talking about Jesus. So let me ask you a question, and it's not a trick. How many of you would say, I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in my life? Just raise your hand if you know it. All right, so, so, so you have the seed. You have the seed. And we've already determined that when you have the seed, what is right for you to do 
is to do like the farmer in the parable Jesus told. And to do what with the seed? Sow the seed. Not to stow the seed in a secret stash, but to recognize I got it, I sow it. Why don't you say that with me? Ready, go, say it. I got it, I sow it. One more time, say it. I got it, I sow it. You got the kingdom of God. You got the gift of the salvation that is available through Jesus Christ. You got the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You've got the hope that rises up within you because of who you are made new in Jesus. You got it. You got a story of the glory of God. You have an experience personally on an ongoing basis of what Jesus is doing for you, has done for you, and what you believe he will do for you. That story of God's glory in your life is your most precious seed, but it is also something that is meant to be sown. And, I, and I'm praying you'd catch a vision for this, to be the kind of person that says, this isn't just about me always only thinking about what kind of soil am I? What kind of soil am I? How am I receiving? What more am I getting? Am I getting enough? And no, that's a part of the equation. But the next part would be you growing up, maturing, and coming to a place where you have an identity upgrade. To really step into sowing, you need an identity upgrade. Because you need to be able to see yourself for who Jesus desires you to be. One who has grown and is maturing and knows, I'm not a baby anymore, I'm an adult. I replicate, I multiply, I sow the seed. That's who I am. Somebody say, that's who I am. That's who I am. I am one who has grown up enough in Jesus that I have seed in my own life because of my relationship with him, then that seed is meant to be sown. Sown. That is what we are talking about, and I'm praying that you would get a different mental model. Because we're talking about Jesus, the word of God. We've established that we have, if we're a believer, we have received the word of God. But look again at what Jesus was doing. A big picture. We, had, we heard a parable. But beyond just, just the parable, there's a context of what Jesus was going around doing. And I want you to catch it. Verse 1. We read it already, but you got to go back there with me. Luke 8, 1, one more time. It says, Jesus uh, traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Would you just read this verse out loud with me? Ready? Go. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The good news. Oh, we got good news. Do you know that? I never get tired of reminding myself and reminding you that we've got good news. I, I love that we live in good news, that we live in good news, that every day I can wake up, take a deep breath and say, thank you, God, for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you, God, for giving me the hope of heaven and power for right here and right now. God, thank you for lifting me up, for carrying me, for, for giving me a vision of what's possible for giving empowerment to me in my inner being. Thank you, God, that I am forgiven because of what you did and that even if I mess up again, you're still willing to forgive me. Thank you, God, for the good news. I love that we live in good news. I thank God for this good news. I praise him for the good news till I breathe my last. <laughs> and I hope we would never forget the good news that we live in as people who hold seed because you need to remember what kind of seed it is. 
It's good news seed. It's a seed that when sown allows many others to experience grace, mercy, forgiveness, and rising strength and unto resurrection power. And so you have this seed. And Jesus, one more time, Luke 8, 1, it said, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, keep that on the screen for a minute, your model is the farmer. Your model is Jesus doing that, going around one way or another, one place or another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And I'm, I'm believing that God wants to raise you up to be somebody who follows in the footsteps of Jesus and does likewise in your own way and with the uniqueness that he shows you, but that you would never shrink back and say, oh, God, I got to keep this right up here, right up here over the stove. I, I got it right here. No, we, we, we're sowers. It's who we are. It's what we do. And amazing thing happened through the body of Christ when we step up and sow. For us as a church, as a whole community, what that looks like is uh, engaging in CP Go experiences where, where we're reaching out into our community. Sometimes we partner with Dream Center Lake Elsinore and, and, and help those who are uh, in need and at risk. Sometimes we're partnering with the Peter Project and resourcing our, our county workers. Sometimes we're, we're partnering with uh, the, the, the Project Touch that helps those who are experiencing homelessness in, in our region. And, and I just want to share one testimony with you. There's one brother in our church who uh, once upon a time was in a place of real need, but there was enough people in our church body sowing into our community through a partnership with Project Touch that this brother felt the love of Jesus in a unique way. I want you to just hear uh, Vince Young's testimony. Here you go. Um, all right, my name is Vince Young, and I am a member here at Centerpoint Church in Marietta. And um, when I first came out back here to California, me and my kids were going through a really serious issue um, with their mom and um, her family. Unfortunately, they picked up some habits and start using uh, drugs. And it got to a point where we really had to go. And um, unfortunately, um, their mom tried to kill me with my daughter in my hands. And I didn't want to lose my kids, so um, we left. We didn't know where to go. We ended up in a domestic violence shelter, came back to California. And it wasn't until I came down here to Marietta and I met a gentleman, I don't remember his name now, um, and I saw the way he was dressed and I heard the way he was talking. And I said, man, you saved. And he said, yeah. And he said, I go to Centerpoint. I said, well, wherever you, you're going, I want to go because um, I could tell he, he was going to the right place. Um, so after that, we ended up going to a transitional housing program and they had a, a Thanksgiving event and um, Renee from the outreach program and, and some of the other people met me and um, invited us in as family, really. And we start coming ever since. Um, they, they helped us with, with food, they helped us with gas, they helped us with everything that we needed. Um, but it wasn't until I came to Centerpoint that I actually started having a personal relationship with God. I'd been reading the Bible and, and doing all that stuff for years. Um, but actually seeing 
like the hard work that we were putting in and the dedication and God was blessing us and we could recognize the blessing. He was saving us. I had no money. I showed up to California with $20. Um, he gave me a job working at Riverside County as a, uh, for the Department of Social Services. He put, helped me put my kids in daycare when I had no way to pay for daycare. Um, and ever since then, like, our life has been stabilized and the kids are happier than they've ever been. And I have a place that I can call home now. And everyone in church that I, that I talk to, it's like we, we pray together, we, we earn together, we learn together. It's like no one person is by herself. We're all helping. People invite me to their houses with their kids for holidays. They give us gifts. Um, they do anything that they can do to help us. And now I'm finding a position where I can help other people. And so um, I just want to share the story. I'm a little rough around the edges. I didn't grow up in a, in a good environment, and, but I strove to do the right thing. And I kind of want to tell people that if you keep going down that route, it does work. Like God does listen, he will help you, but you got to put in the footwork. You got to put in the, 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 the seed, you got to plant the seed, you got to help the seed grow. You have to stay rooted and get yourself around some people who believe because there are going to be some people who are going to try to stop you. That's to be expected. But if you keep pushing, I promise you, God changes the whole thing for you. And then one day you'll be able to give a testimony and hopefully save somebody else. So if you're going through a domestic violence situation, if you're going through a situation where people are using drugs, if you have no money, nowhere to go, just trust in the Lord. Thank him even more in those times and keep praying keep thinking, keep giving them all of the glory and the joy, and I promise you, you'll have a testimony like mine's one day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo. Grow, flow, sow. We, we, we need to grow ourselves to be stronger disciples, and as a church, grow stronger disciples, and flow in the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, flow in the spirit, and sow into our community, into our world. And, and I want to just lay out a couple of things about sow for a moment. What, what I'm imagining, what imagining, dreaming of, is that we would be people who would say, we do this. We sow into our community. And you might not know this, but every single month, we do what we call a CP Go outreach experience of one kind or another, where we're just partnering with those who are in need or who are far from God or whatever the case might be, and we arrange that. We're ready. I want to challenge you to consider, would you be willing to do a CP Go engagement once a quarter? That means four times a year. You clear three or four hours on a Saturday to say, all right, sign me up. Let's go. Because don't you want to be the kind of person that would, like Jesus said, good soil, persevere, produce. And the producing happens as you begin to sow. And there's that hundredfold growing that happens. So I want to share a few uh, particulars. Uh, if you take this card that you have, uh, yes, take this card out and take a look at it. And I want you to, if, if you would say, this is my church, and I want to be a part of this vision, if you're joining us online, we don't have a card, but maybe you can let us know in the comments and, and we'll connect with you after the service. But would you just jot down your information, who you are? The top part you're going to keep. You're going to sign your name to that as a way of saying, this is my church. This is the vision I'm a part of too. 
Because vision doesn't work if it's just something that one guy up here is talking about. Vision works when we all say, this is me. I'm in. I'm part of this deal. And I want to ask you if you would discover your next step. That's what's at the bottom. And so I'm asking you to think about whether you might be willing to, uh, to take a step. Uh, join Grow Track starting next week. Uh, and if you're new to church, new to this experience of, of Jesus following, Grow Track is a four-session experience that will give you some foundations. And the first one starts next week. And you just need to make a commitment. I'm going to do that. It might take me four months to complete it, but I'll start. Or you just join a group or a class. And then in flow, maybe to begin to open your heart to the flow of the Holy Spirit, come to Seek Week. Maybe you can come every single night this week. Or come one of the nights and just open your heart to, man, what happens when we say, I want to experience the flow of the Holy Spirit? And maybe what you need is a freedom prayer session. In the so uh, section, would you maybe do something simple like signing up for Serve Day? That's one of our CP Go engagements coming up in a couple of weeks, heading out into the community to bring God's goodness and love. Be a part of it. Don't be just that, oh, I heard about that. I think our church does some stuff like that. No, you are the church that does the stuff like that. Sign up, be a part of it. Commit to do one CP Go event quarterly. And on the other side, I need some people that would say, I'm going to pray for this vision. I really do. We need to fuel this with the passion of the presence of God in prayer. And so for somebody, this is your task. You're an intercessor. You need to say, I will. I'll pray for it. And anyone who gives to Centerpoint Church, from this moment on, your giving is for the vision of Grow, Flow, So, because that's what our church is now doing, where mission is loving and leading people to life-changing connection with Christ. And our vision is living out this Grow, Flow, So stuff. So maybe for someone you've never really given before, maybe you could say, I realize it takes some resources to do this stuff. I'll be a part of that. But would you take this card, and then once you've, you've done it, you're going to tear the top part off and keep that. That's for you to remind yourself, I'm part of this vision. And then the bottom part, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward, if you're willing, when I, when I invite you to, to, to drop this in the bucket as a way of saying, I'm in, I'm part of this deal. And I just want to make sure you know about a couple of other things about sowing. We have three trips uh, coming up that we're sowing into our world. One is in March, we're going to Mexico City. You could be a part of that, probably, maybe. We're doing a trip to Kenya in May. You could be a part of that, possibly. We're doing a sow experience with a trip to Zambia in June, and then many more after that. If you're hearing about this going, Wow, how do I do that? Well, you can find out at the tables over there. There's details, but it might require that you use vacation time from work. It might require that you dig deep into your own personal savings and say, it matters. I want to go so uh, on the other side of the world. But I want you to know that this is part of our vision. But, but let me give you one more element of so that I'm dreaming about. Okay, so I've been your pastor here for 19 years, almost, almost. Big deal. Yeah, just over, actually. 19 years. And over these years, God has given us such a great story of what he wanted to do. We had 50 people in a, in a storefront in a strip mall like a minute ago, it feels like. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, 19 hard years. There's a, a beautiful congregation. But I, I believe that God wants to replicate. I believe God wants for our whole church to sow church. And what I mean by that is I think that in the next season, God wants for Centerpoint Church to plant other churches on purpose, 
deliberately, intentionally plant other churches. And that's going to require some of you to step up with an apostolic spirit and to say, all right, let's do it. I'm envisioning, and I don't have details for you. I wish I did. I wish I had a perfectly drawn out uh, plan for where and who and when. We don't know yet. It's kind of exciting, though. I just know that over the next several months, there's going to be some of you that are going to present yourselves and go, somehow I feel like I'm meant to be a part of that. And there's going to be a couple of people that are going to be leaders and apostolic types of leaders, and we're going to plant a church. And maybe a year from now, there will be 100 of us that are moving into a new place and starting a new deal for the glory of God. And we did it because we sow. Because we know that we're not called to stow it, but to sow it. We're not keeping it a secret stash. We're sowing the good things that God has done for us. I hope somebody would say amen to that. Amen to that. You know what I'm actually praying for? I'm praying that, that by 2030, somehow or another, we would plant seven churches. I don't know how that's going to happen. It feels kind of crazy. How in the world will we do that? But we, we do that by beginning to pray that the one who does the impossible would lead in and through us to accomplish it. And I think it's for his kingdom and for the, the, the good of the glory of God that we're doing this kind of thing. So, okay, right now I want to ask our team to help me out. I, I, I'm going to ask the team that was going to bring the signs out to do that right now. So I'm asking our ushers and some other people to bring some large signs and set them out in front of you. We're going to take a few minutes to do something. This vision of Grow Flow So, it is words on paper, so to speak. But what brings these words on paper to life are men and women and kids who say, I'm going to be a part of that. And so what I want to do now is create a moment where we can uh, make it known that we're in on this deal, that, that this is my church and I'm going to be a part of this Grow Flow So vision. And so uh, you'll see that your brothers and sisters who came at 9 o'clock have had a chance to do this and have signed their name right across this thing saying, I'm in. Let's go. Let's grow, flow, sow. And I want you to have a chance to do that. So in a moment, when we, when we dismiss you to come forward, you're going to take this card, the, the square one that you filled out, and you're going to pop it in the bucket. And then you're going to grab one of those Sharpie markers and sign your name. You can come and do it as a couple. Uh, you can write your family's name and the year or the date or uh, your signature, whatever makes sense. But do this if there's something inside of you that says, I'm not a spectator. God is raising me up, and I'm part of a church, and I'll be a part of the vision of my church, and I'll be a part of Grow, Flow, So. Count me in. Put my name to it and literally do that. So we're going to do that in just a moment, uh, and, and when you're done, go back to your seat. We're, we're taking an extra five minutes today uh, to do this moment. And so I want to ask our ushers to begin to dismiss row by row. And one more time, you're going to come forward, grab a Sharpie marker, and put your name to it. If you feel like, I don't know yet, I'm not sure, then you can stay in your seat if you'd like to. But I hope that a whole bunch of us would say, this is my church. I'm in. I'm growing, flowing, and sowing. So begin to come forward right now. And Father, I pray that you would stir in us a heart of unity to go after the things of God together, to grow, flow, sow together in a way that brings you glory. We offer our lives to you. We say yes to you wanted, what you want to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, you can begin to come on forward and let it be known that you're in. And then you can go back to your seat, and in a few more minutes, 
we'll pray again.